No one is above the law. Our democracy is what is at stake. The president leaves us no choice but to act. Was that so hard? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on some fine streaming affiliates, including the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today on Thursday morning, December 5th, 2019, at our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, unmistakably clad in suffragette white, standing in front of a cluster of American flags in the Speaker's balcony hallway, offered both a somber historical lesson and an historic announcement to the assembled media and to the nation. Good morning. Let us begin where our founders began in 1776, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to, to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another. With those words, our founders courageously began our Declaration of Independence from an oppressive monarch for, among other grievances, the king's refusal to follow rightfully passed laws. In the course of today's events, it becomes necessary for us to address, among other grievances, the president's failure to faithfully execute the law. When crafting the Constitution, the founders feared the return of a monarchy in America. And having just fought a war of independence, They specifically feared the prospect of a king president corrupted by foreign influence. During the Constitutional Convention, James Madison, the architect of the Constitution, warned that a president might betray his trust to foreign powers, which might prove fatal to the Republic. Another founder, Governor Morris, feared that a president may be bribed by a greater interest to betray his trust. He emphasized that this magistrate 
is not the king. The people are the king. They therefore created a constitutional remedy to protect against a dangerous or corrupt leader, impeachment. Unless the Constitution contained an impeachment provision, one founder warned, a president might, quote, spare no effort or means whatsoever to get himself reelected. Similarly, George Mason insisted that a president who procured his appointment in his first instance through improper and corrupt acts might repeat his guilt and return to power. During the debate over impeachment at the Constitutional Convention, George Mason also asked, shall any man be above justice? Shall that man be above it who can commit the most extensive injustice? In his great wisdom, he knew that injustice committed by the president erodes the rule of law, the very idea that of fair justice, which is the bedrock of our democracy. And if we allow a president to be above the law, we do so surely at the peril of our republic. In America, no one is above the law. Over the past few weeks, through the Intelligence Committee working with the Foreign Affairs and Oversight Committees, the American people have heard the testimony of truly patriotic career public servants, distinguished diplomats, and decorated war heroes, some of the president's own appointees. The facts are uncontested. The president abused his power for his own personal political benefit at the expense of our national security by withholding military aid and crucial Oval Office meeting in exchange for an announcement of an investigation into his political rival. Yesterday, the Judiciary Committee, at the Judiciary Committee, the American people heard testimony from leading American constitutional scholars who illuminated without a doubt that the president's actions are a profound violation of the public trust. The president's actions have seriously violated the Constitution, especially when he says and acts upon the belief. Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. No. His wrongdoing strikes at the very heart of our Constitution, a separation of powers, three co-equal branches, each a check and balance on the other. A republic, if we can keep it, said Benjamin Franklin. Our democracy is what is at stake. The president leaves us no choice but to act because he is trying to corrupt once again the election for his own benefit. The president has engaged in abuse of power, undermining our national security and jeopardizing the integrity of our elections. His actions are in defiance of the vision of our founders and the oath of office that he takes to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Sadly, but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders, and a heart full of love for America, today I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. I commend our committee chairs and our members for their somber approach to actions which I wish the president had not made necessary. In signing the Declaration of Independence, our founders invoked a firm reliance on divine providence. Democrats, too, are prayerful. 
and we will proceed in a manner worthy of our oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help us, God. Thank you. That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in the Capitol on Thursday morning, officially directing the chairs of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees to proceed with articles of impeachment against the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. She charged that uh, nothing less than our democracy is what is at stake. The president leaves us no choice but to act because he is trying to corrupt once again the election for his own benefit, adding that the president has engaged in abuse of power, undermining our national security and jeopardizing the integrity of our elections. As we noted on yesterday's broadcast, Yes, it is always about elections. It's all about elections. They remain at the very core of our republic, as the right to vote is the right that guarantees all of the others in this land, and it's precisely why we cover them so closely here on the broadcast. And yes, we will do so again today here shortly with still more troubling news about the integrity of our upcoming elections and concerns about vulnerabilities in new voting systems being installed around the country in a number of critical battleground states before the critical 2020 presidential election. As we also reported on yesterday's program and now confirmed by CNN, Democrats are currently considering four articles of impeachment against the president including abuse of power and bribery, obstruction of Congress in the Ukraine affair, and obstruction of justice in the Robert Mueller special counsel's probe. That, according to people who attended a meeting of the Democratic House caucus at the Capitol on Wednesday night after yesterday's first impeachment hearing in the uh, House Judiciary Committee, the White House responded to Pelosi's Thursday morning announcement in a statement on Thursday afternoon, calling her out for using the airtime to announce the articles of impeachment as her own, quote, selfish political desires. Rather than making an announcement on prescription drug prices or the USMCA agreement, they said. Now, given that Pelosi was opposed to impeachment for the first nine months since Democrats retook the majority in the U.S. House, the announcement from the White House seems, I don't know, a little bit laughable to me. Um, but that's the argument they're making, and laughable has never stopped this particular White House, which proclaimed in their statement, Democrats' sham impeachment is a blatant, purely partisan attempt to overturn the results of a free and fair election. How many Democrats will join Pelosi driving right off the cliff with this illegitimate impeachment hoax? Speaker Pelosi's instruction to advance this impeachment process one that has violated every precedent, moves this country toward the most partisan and illegitimate subversion of the Constitution in history. Kind of drama queens there at the uh, White House, aren't they, Desi Doyen? Yes, I think they're projecting <laughs> quite a bit, because that's what they've been doing all along. It is indeed. Uh, in response to the Speaker's directive, the House Judiciary Committee announced the next step in its impeachment proceedings with a notice for a Monday hearing to move toward drafting articles of impeachment against President Trump. 
The hearing on Monday is said to be an initial presentation of evidence as outlined in the rules that the committee uh, promulgated earlier this year when the White House, I'm sorry, when the House, U.S. House, approved its impeachment procedures resolution. According to the announcement, counsels from both the House Intelligence Committee and the Judiciary Committee will be making presentations to the Judiciary Committee at a hearing that will start at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday. The rules allow for both majority and minority counsel to make their presentations. The Judiciary Committee rules also lay out how the president and his counsel could get involved if they choose to do so. If they decide to actually participate in this uh, in this uh, process, that could slow it down considerably, but they are invited to do so. They are welcome to do so, according to the rules, despite their claims that this is what unprecedented and um, violates sub- subverts an illegitimate subversion of uh, of the Constitution, the most partisan such subversion in the history of our nation. Nonetheless, they're choosing to, uh, so far, to not be a part of it, but they could be if they wanted to. They've appeared uninterested in participating in these proceedings, and instead they are focusing on the Senate trial, where Republicans control the chamber, and where, if articles of impeachment are sent to the Senate for a trial, 20 Republicans would have to vote in favor of at least one article of impeachment, presuming that all Democrats vote in favor. And I'm not sure that's a presumption we should make at this point, but presuming they do, it would require 20 Republicans to join in in order for Donald Trump to be removed from office. But if Trump did want to attend or send representatives to the House Judiciary Committee proceedings next week, they would be allowed to attend and ask questions during the presentation if they wanted After these uh, procedures next week, the House Judiciary Committee would then move on to drafting and debating and marking up the articles of impeachment themselves. And once they vote to approve them, they'll be sent to the full House where a vote could be held before the Christmas recess, setting up the trial in the U.S. Senate after the first of the year. As the White House prepares its defense for the what is looking now to be a very likely Senate impeachment trial next year, President Trump goaded Democrats on Thursday morning on the Twitters to impeach him, quote, fast. In a tweet thread, Trump, in uh, language that TPM's Nicole LaFon describes as resembling a royal decree, claimed the Democrats had, quote, gone crazy and urged them to, quote, Impeach me. Do it now. Fast. So we can have a fair trial in the Senate. His tweet in full, the do-nothing Democrats had a historically bad day yesterday in the House. Did they really? I don't know. I watched that entire day. Didn't seem so bad to me. Seemed bad to you, though, Mr. President. For you, Mr. President. Back to his tweet. They have no impeachment case and are demeaning our country. (laughs) But nothing matters to them. They have gone crazy. Therefore, I say, if you are going to impeach me, do it now, fast, so we can have a fair trial in the Senate and so that our country can get back to business. We will have Schiff, the Bidens, Pelosi, and many more testify and will reveal for the first time how corrupt our system really is. I was elected to, quote, clean the swamp, and that's what I am doing, says 
Donald Trump. Well, that's off-brand. It's actually drain the swamp, but instead of clean the swamp, but, you know. Well, it's, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a little bit rattled right now. He does appear to be. The uh, tweet comes on the heels of uh, news that the White House plans to bring live witnesses to the Senate floor for this trial, Desi. Uh, not taped depositions. According to The Washington Post, White House Director of Legislative Affairs Eric Eulin told reporters on Wednesday that Trump... Uh, quote, once his case made fully in the Senate. Well, that will be fun. In this instance, he said, we believe very strongly, given the fatally flawed process in the House, if there were if they were to elect against our better advice and send over impeachment to the Senate. So they're advising them. Uh, they're, they're trying to be helpful. Of course. You don't want to do this. You really don't want to do this. This would be bad for you. Let us help you. If they uh, don't take that advice then and send it over to the Senate, uh, we, uh, we, we need witnesses as part of our trial and a full defense of the president on the facts. That according to The Washington Post. And uh, somehow those witnesses would include, I guess, both Joe Biden and his son Hunter, apparently, and somehow Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi would be a witness in this matter, as would in the uh, chair of the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, for some reason, despite the fact that Schiff would also likely be the House impeachment manager or one of them who actually run the case for the prosecution in the Senate on behalf of the House. So we will be sure, Desi, to have our circus music ready when that Senate trial begins. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. Uh, Uland was one of uh, several White House officials who met with Republican senators on Wednesday to construct its trial strategy. That's right. Even though the senators sit as the jury in a Senate impeachment trial, the White House is now meeting with the jury in order to construct strategy because there is no constitutional procedure too sacred for this White House to attempt to corrupt. Noah Feldman of Harvard Law School, one of the three constitutional scholars and law experts who testified in favor of impeaching the president before the House Judiciary Committee on Wednesday, uh, explained during that hearing why he believes in no uncertain terms that, quote, President Trump has committed impeachable high crimes and misdemeanors by corruptly abusing the office of the presidency. During Feldman's testimony, he was asked about that claim from uh, from Trump uh, that that Pelosi referenced in her announcement today that the president's Article two powers in the Constitution somehow allow him to do whatever he wants as president. That is a claim that Trump has actually made that the Constitution gives him the power to do literally anything he wants. Uh, Constitutional. Experts like Feldman at the hearing on Wednesday said that claim was sorry, not correct. He conceded that the Constitution grants the president great powers, many powers, but a president may not do whatever he wants if it is either for personal gain or to corrupt elections or if it harms national security. And uh, Feldman went on to argue that Donald Trump, in this instance, has clearly done all three things as president. Now, after Robert Mueller's uh, special counsel report came out, Feldman, Professor Feldman, said at the time that he did not favor impeachment of the president after that, but uh, he does now. 
after learning of Trump's plan to corrupt the 2020 elections via this Ukraine bribery scheme. As Feldman explained when he was asked about that by House Judiciary's uh, Democratic Counsel Norm Eisen at that hearing on Wednesday. Professor Feldman, uh, you were somewhat of an impeachment skeptic at the time of the release of the Mueller report, were you not? I was. What's changed for you, sir? What changed for me was the revelation of the July 25th call and then the evidence that emerged subsequently of the President of the United States in a format where he was heard by others and now known to the whole public, openly abused his office by seeking a personal advantage in order to get himself reelected and act against the national security of the United States. And that is precisely the situation that the framers anticipated. It's very unusual for the framers' predictions to come true that precisely. And when they do, we have to ask ourselves, someday we will no longer be alive and we'll go wherever it is we go, the good place or the other place. And, you know, we may meet there, Madison and Hamilton, and they will ask us, when the President of the United States acted to corrupt the structure of the Republic, what did you do? And our answer to that question must be, that we followed the guidance of the framers, and it must be that if the evidence supports that conclusion, that the House of Representatives moves to impeach him. That was Professor Noah Feldman of Harvard uh, at Wednesday's hearing before the U.S. House Judiciary Committee when the President of the United States acted to corrupt the structure of the Republic. What did you do? I think that's a very good question uh, for all of us to ask ourselves right now. At this moment, at this historic moment, with the structure of our republic near the brink of collapse, arguably in many ways, thanks to Trump's unceasing corruption of it. In the meantime, as AP notes, Trump's allies argue that voters, not lawmakers, should decide the president's future. But Democrats say the nation cannot wait for the 2020 election, alleging Trump's past efforts to have foreign countries intervene in the presidential campaign is forcing them to act, to act now to prevent him from doing it again. And that's why they're moving forward with these uh, impeachment proceedings now as quickly as they are. But no matter what happens in the House and then the U.S. Senate over the next several weeks or months, voters will be voting in the 2020 elections in less than two months time. That is supposed to be the nation's safety net. Unfortunately, even if Trump is prevented from corrupting that safety net, it turns out there are some great big huge holes in that net. Let's take a quick break here and we will discuss that in hopes that it's not too late to at least try to patch them up, though I fear it may be. Disturbing news for the 2020 elections is straight ahead, though Desi Doyen will be here with the Green News report thereafter to make all things better. Uh, okay. No pressure. <laughs> I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast.
Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Ooh, scary music. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Must be scary, uh, must be scary uh, topics we're about to talk about, Desi Doyen. <laughs> I have a feeling it might be. Federal prosecutors have filed charges against two Russian nationals accused of carrying out one of the largest cybercrime sprees in history, orchestrating a string of attacks on computer systems in the U.S. and targeting victims in at least 11 states. NBC reports today that the accused were responsible for tens of millions of dollars in damages, and the attacks netted them over $3 million, according to court documents. Man, am I in the wrong business. <laughs> Maxim Yakubets and Igor Turashev are accused of planting malware on computers, attacking several institutions in Pennsylvania, including a bank, several companies, a school district, in addition to targets in other states as well, including a lumber company, a natural gas company, and a small organization of nuns in Chicago, according to the complaint unsealed today. Yakubets, who is linked to Russian Federal Security Services, or the FSB, according to prosecutors, is the alleged leader of the hacking operation, and Turashev is his assistant, say prosecutors. The two men, who were both indicted in Pittsburgh, well, their whereabouts remain unknown. So they were indicted in Pittsburgh, but who knows where they are. They reportedly obtained access to the U.S. computer systems through phishing emails claiming to be from legitimate companies and groups. The attacks were among, quote, the worst computer hacking and bank fraud schemes of the past decade, according to Assistant Attorney General Brian Benchkowski at a news conference on Thursday, adding that Yakubets was a, quote, true 21st century criminal and the leader of a cyber criminal gang who allegedly orchestrated, quote, the kinds of criminal schemes so audacious and sophisticated that they would be difficult to imagine if they were not real. The accused targeted the uh, Sharon City School District in western Pennsylvania, but they had more success apparently draining funds from the bank account of Penico Oil. Yes, even a major oil company, which handles millions, if not billions of dollars. I don't know. I don't know this company, Penico, but uh, I suspect if they're an oil company, they got some money. Even they were unable to prevent these cyber criminals from draining money from their bank account. Hence the scary music. <laughs> but yeah. it gets scarier uh, because, you know, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Yes, Penico Oil and all of these other they lost all this money from their bank accounts thanks to these hackers. 
But you don't need to worry about the totally secure computer systems that will be handling, say, voter registration and signing in at the polls and voting and tabulation in next year's elections, because I'm sure that Mr. and Mrs. County Clerk have got those systems locked up tight. Well, sure. Betsy at the election office, she knows what she's doing when it comes to cybersecurity. But, you know, the other reason to not worry is because why, after all, would Russian hackers or any other hackers care about an election for president of the United States or an election for the U.S. House or an election for the U.S. Senate? As AP reports on this uh, same story, the Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control took action against, wait for it, Evil Corp. Yes, Evil Corp, the Russian-based cybercriminal organization responsible for the development and distribution of the Drydex malware, according to a release. Yes, apparently they call themselves Evil Corp, which seems a little bit spot on, doesn't it? Well, sure, it's uh, right up there with Parnas and Fruman's fraud guarantee. You're right. No, you're right. They kind of have a thing for that kind of name, I guess. Yeah, as does, by the way, their uh, their evil-sounding Drydex malware. The uh, Treasury's action targeted in all 17 individuals and seven entities, including Evil Corp., it's uh, as well as its uh, core cyber operators, multiple business associate uh, businesses associated with uh, a group member, the financial facilitators utilized by the group, though only two of the 17 were met with criminal charges in this matter. Prosecutors say the charges stem from the creation of malware <clears throat> designed to automate the theft of confidential personal and financial information, including online banking logins. From infected computers, the malware, they say, was specifically designed. This is the scare. Well, one of the scariest parts. The malware was specifically designed to defeat antivirus software. So even if you're good about keeping your uh, antivirus software up to date, and I know very few of you are, but you all should be. Even if you're good at that. Uh, this malware would defeat that antivirus software, at least at the time that it was used to drain all of this money from, you know, oil companies like Penico. The State Department and the FBI are offering a $5 million reward for information leading to Yakubitz's arrest and conviction, which officials say is the largest reward ever offered for an accused cyber criminal. And while these two are accused of um, doing some pretty scary stuff, it seems to me, with Evil Corp, after all, uh, this story is, to me at least, less chilling than the next story due to what it could mean for all of us next year, not just a couple of uh, oil companies in Pennsylvania and a school district and some nuns in Chicago, but all of us. You may have seen this story last week, although, you know what, I doubt it because, frankly, that was, well, it was over the Thanksgiving week, but it was also, uh, like everything else these days, sort of, you know, Trump and impeachment and all Swept of that. Swept away by the tsunami of the all that. oxygen yes. of, yeah. So this was, okay, uh, Thanksgiving week, uh, a, a company that provides tech services to more than 100 nursing homes across the U.S. There's a, a, a company that specifically does this for, they are tech people. They are the IT people. Uh, they provide tech services to more than 100 nursing homes across the U.S. They 
themselves were the victim of a ransomware attack with hackers demanding $14 million before they would restore access to its hijacked servers. Virtual Care Provider informed its clients, which again is 100 nursing homes, uh, they informed them of the attack in a November 18 letter, a day after the attack was discovered. The company said it was working, uh, at least as of last week still, to determine if any client data had been compromised, disclosing that about 20% of its services were affected by the virus and that it needs to rebuild 100 of its servers. This is a Milwaukee-based company. Uh, they have been unable to pay the ransom, which I think is a good thing. That means, however, that some of the nursing homes that it serves cannot access patient records, can't use the Internet, can't pay employees or order medications, according to the uh, journal Sentinel. The company told AP last week that, quote, upon learning of this incident, we immediately launched an internal investigation and retained independent cybersecurity experts to assist us in our investigation and remediation efforts. The statement went on to say that the company is, quote, working diligently to restore these systems as quickly and safely as possible. Well, that's good because there's about 100 nursing homes with people who uh, need to order medications. A Milwaukee uh, security firm, Hold Security, found that the Russian hackers, yes, apparently Russian hackers again, had infected virtual care's compu uh, computers over 14 months using malicious email attachments, the journal Sentinel reported. Once again, a phishing attack where someone, even at this cybersecurity firm, well, not a cyber, I guess they're a tech firm, uh, even they didn't know not to click on an attachment that came into their email that, uh, you know, looked like it was legitimate, I guess. And they clicked on it and the system became affected and it became affected over a 14 month period. And it could be designed so very well that even somebody who is experienced at all of this still could not detect that it was a fake phishing email. That's what's so dangerous. Well, about it. apparently, because ransomware attacks, uh, as AP reports here, have been on the rise this year, especially those seeking to hijack critical public services. There were more than 70 ransomware attacks, 70 ransomware attacks in the first half of 2019 with uh, more than 50 of those attacks targeting cities, targeting municipalities. So uh, why is that more chilling, at least to me, than the, the two evil corp guys who, you know, use malware to drain bank accounts? Well, because these ransomware attacks lock everything up until the uh, ransom, what, hijackers, I guess, until they are paid off, locks it up so that the computer systems cannot be used at all. And they've been targeting uh, critical public services. So you know what else is a critical public services? Right, your elections that now rely in all 50 states on computers for virtually everything, from electronic poll books to touchscreen computers to cast votes to optical scan computers to count those votes to election night results servers to post results to the Internet as the votes are being tabulated. This is all, to me at least, just another reason why it is absolutely insane to rely on these systems for a one-day absolutely critical mission that cannot fail on that one day.
I mean, even if you, you know, the, the computer systems are locked up so that you can't vote in just, let's say, one county in Ohio or one county in Florida or one county in Georgia or Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania. Remember, this was a Milwaukee-based company that was unable to pay the ransom. So, yeah, uh, one county in, in, in Wisconsin, you could see a, uh, a, a national crisis, a constitutional crisis, if this one county is unable to vote on Election Day. And that one county could uh, hold, you know, the, the results of the entire election, as we saw in Florida in 2000, as we saw in Ohio in 2004, as we saw in three different states in, uh, in, 24, in uh, 2016. So uh, this is not an academic thing. This is not an academic fear. Oh, this could happen. Did you hear what happened in Louisiana the day after their elections just last month on November 16? You probably didn't hear about it because uh, we weren't able to cover it with all that. It was right in the smack dab in the middle of all the special uh, impeachment coverage at the time. But they held uh, their their runoff election for governor on November 16. You may recall that Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards eked out a win over his Trump endorsed Republican opponent in uh, in that very otherwise uh, red state. And we talked at the time when the results came in, we talked about that, but we did not talk about this. An apparent ransom attack crippled much of Louisiana state government on Monday, November 18. And by the way, that's the same day that the nursing homes in Wisconsin were reportedly hit. So was this a coordinated attack on the same day? Maybe. I don't know. But this was November 18th, a Monday. The um, runoff elections in Louisiana were held on a Saturday. That's when that's the way they do it in, in Louisiana. It was on a Saturday. And then on Monday, thankfully, I guess, two days later, the entire state of Louisiana was hit with a ransomware attack. And I don't even know. Did had you heard about this, Desi? Dorian? I did not. I, it seems kind of like a big thing to me, but I know almost no one has heard about this. So two days after the election, they're hit with a, a, a ransomware attack after someone installed unauthorized software onto a state computer, according to Louisiana Cybersecurity uh, Commissioner Jeff Moulton. The software contained a virus that holds data hostage until the victim pays a ransom. Louisiana agencies have been attacked using similar ransomware a number of times in 2019. A number of agencies shut down their websites the day after the attack was uh, reported as a precaution to prevent the virus from spreading, which is part of a larger plan implemented by the state's cyber commission. So it seems in Louisiana, at least, they have a pretty good plan to keep something like this from from spreading. And apparently they did keep it from spreading by shutting down the systems, but that meant they had to shut down the systems of state government all across the state. Uh, for example, the Office of Motor Vehicles remained closed for several days because of an issue linked to the attack. The OMV's server did not reboot properly after the state allowed them to finally reaccess its network, so something went wrong there. The state's Cybersecurity Commission quickly enacted an existing plan to isolate and eliminate the virus, likely preventing further infection, they think. The virus was contained 
to around. So it was contained, right? But it was contained to around 130 servers and 600 clients. That's a lot of computers. That's a lot of servers, although it's a minute fraction of the state's total network capacity. The software on each infected computer needed to be removed and completely reinstalled on uh, 130 different servers and 600 different machines. Websites for the Office of the Governor, Louisiana State Legislature, Office of Motor Vehicles, Department of Corrections, they were all affected and more. Some trucking companies in the state also had to halt their uh, their vehicles because they were unable to go into the uh, Department of Transportation website to apply for things like overweight permits during the outage. So this really crippled the state of Louisiana, and it wasn't even successful or it wasn't even that successful. It was stopped before it got bad, once again, just two days after the elections. Uh, the Advocate put out a list of other agencies that were affected by the uh, ransomware attack uh, outage. Uh, according to The Advocate, the Office of Motor Vehicles, the Department of Children and Family Services, mm. the uh, agency could not conduct business as usual when the system went down. So if people were trying to apply for food stamps or even report child abuse online, couldn't do it. The Louisiana Department of Health was down. They lost access to Internet and email um, that also meant people could not apply for health care coverage under the uh, Medicaid expansion. The Louisiana Public Service Commission went down. Um, they accepted and stamped utility regulatory filings but couldn't add uh, the reports, inspections, and applications to an online database. So they were taking them apparently by uh, manually, but they couldn't add them to the online database at the Department of Revenue. Uh, they weren't able to get hunting and fishing license at the Louisiana Wildlife and Fisheries and the Louisiana Secretary of State's office was hit. Coming off the heels of major runoff elections, the advocate notes across the state just two days earlier, curious residents were unable to check election results via the Secretary of State, the Louisiana Secretary of State spokesperson Tyler Bray said that the office's website and app were down. Luckily, however, it did not happen on Election Day when Louisianans would have not been able to vote at all across the state. Why? Because the entire state requires voters at the polls to vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting machines, which, of course, uh, would have also been affected in such an attack, uh, along with the voter registration systems, because when you use these uh, touchscreen voting machines, you also need to use electronic poll books, essentially, to sign people into the polls. So all of that could have been knocked out had these uh, attackers, apparently Russian attackers, maybe coordinated with attackers that also uh, attacked Milwaukee. Had all of that happened just two days earlier on Saturday when they were voting in this runoff election for governor. But again, why worry? Well, if you listen to the broadcast, you may know why we worry about these things, because states and counties all across the country, including my own home county of Los Angeles, shamefully and embarrassingly are now moving from hand-marked paper ballots to, yes, 100% unverifiable computer touchscreens to vote. And never mind for a second that they can't be 
verified that any vote cast on one of these touch uh, touchscreen systems can never be verified as as uh, uh, meeting the voters intent. Uh, Never mind that. We might not even be able to vote at all if there is a ransomware attack of this sort on or before Election Day or even, you know, during early voting. Our uh, L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk, Dean Logan, who is so pleased and excited about this new system that he won't even come on this show to answer simple questions about it. He's so excited about it. But what are his plans if there is an attack that makes the computers unable to be used on Election Day? There are no paper uh, poll book backups, as far as I can tell. And I've been trying to get him to confirm that. He won't. He stopped answering questions from me. There are uh, no hand-marked paper ballots for people to vote on. There may be maybe some provisional ballots, but those would quickly run out if every voter is required to vote on one of these goddamn touchscreen voting systems that can't be verified. And that's just here in Los Angeles County. Yes, it's a big county. Yes, it's larger than 41 states in the union. But you know what? It's California. It's only California. What about the entire state of Georgia that is moving to brand new systems that failed in their elections on November 5? The entire when in just six counties where they use them. Now they're going to the entire state with these systems that cybersecurity experts continue to warn against. Or the state of Delaware. Or the biggest county in the swing state, the uh, crucial battleground state of North Carolina. Or counties in Texas, in Ohio, in Florida, where they've changed the definition of paper ballots to allow these computer systems that print out these computer-marked unverifiable ballots to be used. They've changed the definition of paper ballots so that they can do that in Florida now. And all of this is happening before 2020. And yes, elections matter. And that's why we talk about this stuff all the time. And it's shocking to me, frankly, that very few others in the media actually do. Why is it that we are making noise about this? Uh, We seem to be the only one in the media who is worried about this as a possibility. Am I crazy? Don't answer that, Desi Doyen. (laughs) I might be crazy. But this is not crazy. This is a very dangerous, uh, a very serious threat, it seems to me. I mean, again, even if, uh, you know, the, these these touchscreen systems, even if they work as designed and they turn out results that are unverifiable, we may not even be able to use them at all because of these ransomware attacks. Now, on Monday, you gave folks some ideas about how they can protect their vote in between now and 2020, if they're not able to get their local elections officials to ensure hand-marked paper ballots. What was your... I don't know. Do you think I remember what I said on Monday on this show? You essentially you said... remember? Yes. yes you said apply for vote by yes. mail and yeah. take your fill out your yep. uh, your your ballot in by hand and then take it to your precinct to turn in in on person. On election day, if right. you can. Correct. I mean, and I hate doing that because I am not a fan of vote by mail. 
But if you live in a jurisdiction uh, and you need to check, you need to find out, you need to educate yourself. I can't educate everybody and I'm trying like hell to do it, but uh, you need to find out for yourself because a lot of these systems are changing. If you are going to be forced to vote on a touchscreen system and don't believe your election officials when they say, oh, no, it creates a paper ballot. It does not create a paper ballot. It creates a computer marked ballot summary. So if you are going to be forced to vote on one of those systems on Election Day, please find out now and please then consider applying for an absentee vote-by-mail ballot, which I'm not a fan of, as Desi uh, notes, but... If you fill it out and bring it in on Election Day, and again, you're going to have to check to make sure you're allowed to do that. But if you should be, I think in most places you are allowed to bring in your vote by mail ballot, which is a hand marked paper ballot and deliver it on Election Day uh, at the polling place. If you live in one of these jurisdictions, that is the best way to maximize the chances of your vote actually being counted as cast. And I would tell you, by the way, uh, to go to verifiedvoting.org to check. They have a used to have a great tool. The tool is still there. It's just not great anymore. It's called the verifier, which would tell you in your county what type of voting system you would have to use. Well, now verified voting has turned terrible and they are now uh, categorizing uh, uh, jurisdictions that use these computers to print out these paper ballot summaries. They're calling them paper ballot counties, even though they decidedly are not. So there's a lot of problems, by the way, with verifiedvoting.org that I hope to be talking about in the days ahead. But you can't rely on them anymore. you got to now rely on yourself. Call your uh, your local county clerk. Ask them so you know for sure, so you can be informed, so you can tell everyone you know whatever the hell you have to do to vote on a hand-marked paper ballot. Do it. Everything else, we'll just keep fighting like hell to keep you informed and well, we'll hope for the best. Quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. So, uh, Des, while we were on break, you ha- as if today's show wasn't uh, historic and or chilling enough, you came up with something that is even more chilling, but it serves as a nice transition to the uh, Green News Report. Sure. Sort of. So this will really cook your noodle. Think about the fact that the Department of Homeland Security has already determined that foreign countries like China, Russia, and Iran have already penetrated many of our systems like our electric grid, utilities, nuclear plants, municipal water systems. So imagine if there is a ransomware attack or even a shutdown attack on all of these systems all at once at the same time also on election day okay my noodle is cooked 
Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. And that's a swell transition <laughs> to our latest Green News Report. The past decade is likely to be the hottest since records began in 1850. Congratulations, you've just lived through the hottest 10 years on record. Republican Senate confirms former lobbyist as energy secretary. California bans all new fracking, for now. Plus, everyone has to do everything they can in order to make sure they are on the right side of history. Teen climate activist Greta Thunberg has a warning for politicians. You love her, don't you? I do. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I think about it all the time, Joe, and honestly, climate change is very important to me. Yeah, I know. The more climate change, the better. Am I right? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, never mind Donald Trump at NATO being asked about climate change and saying, oh, he believes in climate change because he wants clean air and clean water. He doesn't even know what climate change actually is, does he? I don't think he does. He always pivots to talking about clean air and water whenever he's asked about climate change. But, of course, he's been dismantling clean air and clean water standards since he came into office. So he doesn't know what climate change is, and he's ruining the clean air and the clean water. Exactly. All right. Well, with that out of the way... What's the good news you have for us today, Desi Doyen? Well, first, the annual United Nations Climate Summit is now underway in Madrid, Spain, where governments are trying to hammer out technical mechanisms for the historic Paris Climate Agreement to cut the global greenhouse gas emissions that cause dangerous man-made global warming. You mean clean air and clean water? No, climate change. Oh. In conjunction with the summit, a new report finds 2019 is now on track to be the second or third warmest year ever recorded and that the last decade is now all but certain to be the hottest since record-keeping began in 1850. Fan-damn-tastic. That's according to the United Nations World Meteorological Organization, which found the last 10 years of global warming brought accelerating sea ice loss, record sea level rise, and more frequent devastating heat waves, driving a rise in global hunger and migration. Hoax, 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 hoax. Not a hoax. The report also found that the oceans today are 26% more acidic than in pre-industrial times, which is degrading marine ecosystems. A different study from the Global Carbon Project finds that global emissions of carbon dioxide hit another record high in 2019. But they found a silver lining. Fossil fuel emissions actually fell this year in some developed nations, including the U.S., as they transition away from coal. The report also calculates that the average American's emissions this year are more than twice what the average person in China emitted. But I thought it was China and India that was the holdup and the reason why the U.S was dropping out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Nope, it's the U.S. Oh. In Washington, the Republican-controlled U.S. Senate this week confirmed yet another lobbyist to President Trump's cabinet. Dan Brulette, former lobbyist for Ford Motor Company, takes over as Secretary of Energy, replacing Rick Perry, who is currently embroiled in the impeachment proceedings against Trump. Getting pretty swampy around there. 
Here's one for your climate science denier uncle. New research published this week shows that, surprise, climate computer models are correct, despite the lies told by the climate change denial industry. The first of its kind systematic review of climate models dating back to the 1970s found that those models accurately predicted the actual rise in global temperatures that we are seeing today. So the models were right, they are right, and they will continue to be right. So my uncle is wrong? Right. Oh. Some good news. California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom has banned new fracking permits in the state. Good. But it's only temporary, pending a new scientific review. He says it's part of his long-term pledge to, quote, manage the decline of oil production in the state. And Newsom is using the power of the state purse to cut emissions by ordering California state agencies to buy their fleet cars only from manufacturers that recognize the state's authority to set higher vehicle emission standards, standards that the Trump administration is trying to revoke. Good for the governor. Finally, Swedish teen climate activist Greta Thunberg arrived in Lisbon, Spain this week after hitching a ride from the United States across the Atlantic Ocean with an Australian family on their zero-emission sailboat to attend the U.N. Climate Summit. Thunberg said her unconventional travel arrangements are intended to send a message. It is impossible to live sustainable today, and that needs to change. She also has a message for politicians around the world. I think people are underestimating the force of angry kids. (laughs) We are angry, we are frustrated, and that is because of, of a good reason. If they want us to stop being angry, then maybe they should stop making us angry. Well, that sounds like a plan. Go get them, Greta. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Please don't be angry, cause I was only Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. I would say stay angry, though. If yeah, you're one of the climate kids, yeah, please, stay angry. If you're one of the climate kids, if you're one of those American voters, if you're anybody who is concerned about anything you heard on today's broadcast, it might not hurt to stay angry yep. and uh, to do something about it. Take action. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Uh, we hope we didn't chill you too much. Uh, if we did... You're welcome. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, which is all made possible by those of you who help us out by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. We are 100% listener supported here. And so, yes, you, you, yes, you, if you've been listening to this program and you've been enjoying it or are chilled by it or are entertained or uh, educated by it, please consider stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us in business here. Uh, and, uh, hey, end of your giving, bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Hope you'll find, follow, and share all we do there. And that is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Angry. Please don't be angry. 
Oh 